Hi guys, Matty Jackson back here with the Academy North from Behind the Lockdown podcast. Back with Stephen Cole. How are you, Steve? Oh, mate, how are you? Excellent, thank you. Check out our website, academynorth.co.uk, social media at Academy North One, and check out the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Our next guest, we've got a big legend with us today 59 Test Match wickets and 7 ODI wickets. 267 first class wickets, 108 in the white ball game, and of course a hero of 2005. Thanks for joining us, Simon Jones. How are you tonight, Simon? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on, mate. Thanks for coming on. Oh, so, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's it is an honour. So. <laughs> May not be by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we might revisit that one. Um, so, so how's, how's things, mate? Obviously, about to go, about to go into lockdown. How, how's things with you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, oh, look, um, in Wales, it's slightly different. Of course. Uh, we're coming out of um, a firebreaker, as they called it. I think some of these politicians enjoy making up names. <laughs> um, we're, we're coming out of a firebreaker on the 9th of November. So we've got another week left, um, and then hopefully it's back to normal. I know you guys in England have, have got a month of it, haven't you? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're start, as we record this, what, we're 48 hours away from starting again. So back to back to the Netflix. So seeing as you've just done a little bit, any tips? What have you been doing during lockdown? <laughs> um, what have I been doing during lockdown? I've been working. Um, I'm working with um, an independent insurance broker now called Kerry London. Right, uh, okay. You know, it's one of those things, right? When you when you finish sport, um, it's one of the toughest things to do is the transition. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I struggled for about three or four years. Uh, they ended up working in a school, a private school, as a as a coach. Yeah. Um, and then I met a guy um, a couple of years ago called Dean Callas, who works at Kerry London. We got chatting, and you know, when you meet someone and you and you hit it off. Yeah. Um, well, we we got on really well, um, and I spoke to him at the uh, what the middle of last year. And we got chatting, and um, he was discussing opportunities uh, with Kerry. So we sat down, went through everything, and I started last year. And do you know what? It's the first time I've felt fulfilled. Brilliant. Um, in a day-to-day capacity since I finished. Honestly, it's um, that's amazing. You know, he's a legend of a boss. Um, they're they're a great company to work for, and yeah, I've loved every minute so far. We'll uh, we'll make sure he listens then if we can. Seeing as you just said that, job done. <laughs> send us his email. We'll send it over. <laughs> so the first thing we looked when he came, you mate, was two nicknames: horse and shoe pie. What are they about? Yes. The second one, right, shoe pie. I, I think someone's on a laugh there. I think they've just gone on to. I think they've hacked my um, uh, my Wikipedia and just stuck it in there. I've never heard that in my life. I've never been called shoe pie in my life. Horse. Yeah, that's my nickname. Um, I think it's because I've got a long face. <laughs> um, no, I, the, the whole thing started when um, I joined uh, Glamorgan as a 16-year-old. And you know, they, they all said I, I did everything quickly. I ran fast, bowled fast, um, threw fast, wherever it was. And they, they just said, oh, look, the injuries I picked up, be just like a, a racehorse. Um, so that's kind of where the name came from. But to be honest, the amount of injuries I had, if it was a horse, I'd be put down in <laughs> Are we we, we having that still or is there a story behind shoe pie that we're just (laughs) never going to get? You don't make that up, do you? (laughs) Here we go. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we, we leave that one there, <laughs> <laughs> Right, all right then. Uh, so, mo- moving on, mate. Obviously, we'll go on to 2005, but yeah. was, was that your greatest achievement or was your greatest achievement being the ninth sexiest man in the world 2006? <laughs> the highest ranking I sportsman. What, I tell you what, that new woman magazine, the, the readers had good taste, didn't they? <laughs> 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 yeah. I, yeah, I, um, was first, I think it was Brad Pitt. That was Clooney, Clooney 06. Yeah. I beat, um, I beat George Clooney. Yeah, oh, you did and beat Clooney, I'll, you'll take that. Yeah, it was Landy with that. Yeah, Fred was, was in the top 50 as well. Um, and then he started tucking into Harmony, but not making a top 100 because he's only got one tuss in his head. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get, did you get some kind of award for that? <laughs> yeah. Do you get some kind of award for that little certificate with your photo on it or something? No, 
Oh, the only award I got was lots of chip and changing room. Um, <laughs> just, uh, oh, look, he was, he was, he was a nice sort of thing to have. Um, but yeah, look, that, that 2005 was, was, yeah, the biggest uh, achievement of my career. Um, for me, it defines my career. Yeah. Um, whenever someone sees me at a cricket game or, or a dinner or a luncheon or, or whatever it is, they always ask about 2005. Um, I've had a fair share of injuries throughout my career with my knees yeah. and, and my ankle. And um, to, to stay fit for 90% of that series was, yeah, was an unbelievable feeling. But yeah. I think prior to that, it was a, the first time as a, as a group of, of or a squad of players that we were all peaking um, as, as, uh, with our form. Yeah. Um, so we, we were in the best place possible to, to play in that series against, for me, was arguably the best, best side that's ever played the game. That Aussie side was... You know, yeah. One to eleven, or you could even say one to, to thirteen or fourteen with a the squad they had. Yeah, they're all legends in their own right. Um, yeah. So we were a young side, we were hungry, and I know Michael Vaughan and, and Fletcher sat down before that series and decided that you know the, the teams that have played before us, there were some absolute legends in, in those English sides. Yeah. But they, they they got mental scarring from the absolute trouncings they had from the Aussies. Yeah. Um, so we didn't want any of that. Well, Michael Vaughan, not us. Michael Vaughan and Fletch wanted to do, try and find a way of not having any negative thoughts about the Aussies in that changing room. So that's when, obviously, they got rid, unfortunately, of two of my very good friends of Thorpe and Mark Butcher. Um, and they brought in Kevin Peterson and Ian Bell. Um, and, you know, you look at the series Kev had, it was unbelievable. All right, Bell, he started a bit slowly. But then you look at the career he went on to have, it was the right decision. Yeah, definitely. Funnily enough, obviously, when we go through your best 11, KP may come up. I've just literally written there about what you were saying. Do you think that was part of the reason why they did kind of move Thorpe on when they did? Um, because of that Ashes series and wanting to have sort of some new blood coming in? Yeah. Um, do you know, Graham Thorpe, what, what a player. Um, you know, an unbelievable servant to the English game scored some critical runs at, and got hundreds at very important times uh, I, I really felt for him yeah. um, it's almost as if that could have been the, the icing on the cake to kind of define his career as well to, to actually win an Ashes against the Tatlock yeah. the, the, the lads he played against for such a long time and, and taking those, those hidings down under and obviously over here as well um, that would have been a fitting way for Thorby to, to kind of finish his career. Um, but, you know, Fletcher is, is he's very astute. Yeah. He, he thinks about the game um, deeply. And in uh, Michael Vaughan, he, he had a skipper that they were very like-minded. So um, yeah. they had their thoughts on, on how we would progress and, and they went with it. And, and, and unfortunately for Thorby, he was a casualty of that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so uh, obviously it all started in Glamorgan, didn't it? And obviously before you yeah. went on to play for England, obviously quite fitting that you'd add to the same. Was it always, yeah. always cricket growing up, was it? No, football. Um, I loved football, uh, first of all. Um, I was a uh, centre-forward. Um, loved scoring goals, quick up front. And I was tiny. I was, I, was, I, was very, I was quite short up until I was about 16. And then I had a massive growth spurt. Uh, but football was my first love. I remember... My, obviously my dad had contacts so we went down um, the club I used to play for called Davin we all went down to the Duncan Fernley um, factory in Worcester and obviously I had to go along because they couldn't leave me in the house on my own um, I couldn't be trusted <laughs> um, and um, we all went down to the Duncan Fernley factory as a, as a, as a, as a team um, and everyone wanted to buy a bat gloves pads you know wherever else helmets and all I wanted was a drop strap um, so I'm going to wear it when I play football. <laughs> I came away from 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 the actual no Duncan Fernie factory was it was a was a drop strap and that was it. Um, then you know I I think everyone's had them. I, I had a couple of trials um, in football. I had trials with Leeds United at the time. Oh wow! Um, and then uh, I just found out I was I was better at cricket. Uh, then I had a growth spurt, and I was I'd always bowl quickly, but when I had a growth spurt, it, it helped me with bounce, etc. Yeah, and um, I had the opportunity then to go down to Millfield School in Somerset uh, on a sporting scholarship. Right, yeah, um, yeah. 
Matty Maynard came down to see me from Glamorgan because he chewed good things. Um, and that I signed when I was 15 and a half um, right. as a professional cricketer, which was was a little bit strange at the time, um, you know, as I was studying in school. Um, so then I did my schooling and then went full-time then when I left. Brilliant. Who do you support now, football-wise? Uh, do you know what? I, I used to love football. Every Saturday night I'd be watching Match of the Day and, you know, heroes watching, you know, Man United, etc. Thanks for joining us, Simon Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? I, I find football quite hard to watch now. Um, just with the, the antics that goes on, people dive in. Um, I, I, I find it hard work. Um, you know, for, for lads who are so fit and strong to get pushed over so easily kind of frustrates me. Um, yeah. But if I were to support anyone, it would be um, Cardiff City. Oh, okay. I'm a Kennedy boy and I get a lot of stick for not supporting uh, Swansea. Yeah. But Kennedy and Swansea have a massive rivalry. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I've lived in Cardiff for 20, 20 odd years now, so they'd be my side if anyone. Fair enough, better than United anyway. Um, so <laughs> let's, uh, let's move back to cricket, shall we? Uh, yeah. England cap, test cap, 610. Uh, debut at Lords 2002. What can you remember about that day? Uh, well, look, it, it was in the build-up and I'd arrived um, by train, got into the ground for the... Because you always have two days before, uh, prior to a test match of training. Yeah. So you have, a, you have a heavy day on the first day and then you have a light, just a take-over session where you have a couple of balls in the middle and then it's a really light, easy session. So got to the ground and I walked into the dressing room and I was slightly later than everyone else. I wasn't late, but I was slightly later. Yeah. Um, and there was no room to sit down. Um, do you know what? You walk into the dressing room, you've got the legends like Alex Stewart, Nasser is saying, Michael Vaughan was, was making a name for himself, just Gothic, Ashley Giles. Uh, you know, the list goes on. And I did not know what to do. And <laughs> I just thought, right, well, I feel like a plum. Um, <laughs> but then um, Alex Stewart moved all his stuff. He said, come wow. sit by me. And for a guy that had played over 100 tests to, yeah. to move his stuff and make me feel welcome. He obviously he re- he regretted it afterwards because I'm, I'm a messy uh, bugger and uh, he's probably the most regimented, pristine guy I've ever met in my life. Um, so got through the, the training sessions and it was one of those things, I was sat in my room, um, you know, you're new to the group, you, yeah. you, know, it's, it's, now you feel a little bit awkward. Um, so I knock on the door and um, it was uh, Craig White Chalky White. Yeah. And um, he said, you're right. I said, yeah, a bit nervous, Chalks. He said, oh, come for a pint. So we went for a pint. Um, I ended up having nine. The <laughs> 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 nine pints of Stella. Um, but, you know, I was, I was 22 years old and, um, you know, you're invincible at that age. Does... Uh, slept well, though. Um, <laughs> woke up in the morning and thought, right, D-Day. And then got to the ground and tried to soak in the atmosphere. Uh, the crowd was filling up. Uh, and then, yeah, just um, got presented my cap by by um, NASA. Um, he shook my hand and said, congratulations, you sheep shagger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, thanks, Nas. Um, you really poked me in the eye with your nose. <laughs> and then uh, it kind of went on from there, really. But... It's, um, oh look, it was a very special day to follow in. in you know, to follow my dad's footsteps wasn't yeah. you know, um, my main kind of drive, but to 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 do that and become I think there's only uh, what eleven or twelve fathers and sons who've, who've represented England, um, but to have him there with with the family as well was yeah that was even even more special. So going out on test debut and whacking your highest score of 44, was that just because you were still pissed? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that was? I think I was just nervous. Um, I was um, I was walking out to bat and I think you're right. To be fair, no, they had a, a good bowling attack. They had Zaya Khan, uh, Ajita Kaka, um, Anil Kumble, and I can't remember the other team. That's um, but there was no one to think, oh, he, he could really hurt me here. Um, and I remember hitting Zaya Khan over his head for six. And the stare he gave me was, was unbelievable. I, I think he just thought, right, I'll bowl it full and straight and I'll, I'll knock his poles over. 
um, but I ate them over his head and, and then I, I just went from there that gave me the m- momentum then just to, to have a crack um, and then I got to 44 and I looked at the scoreboard and I saw that score I thought what am I doing on 44 <laughs> how have I managed this in a test in a test match um, and I knew Cumbly was bowling so I was thinking what do I do and then I tried to noodle one and I nicked it and got caught a slip and you know that was that but yeah it was it was a great feeling yeah <laughs> can imagine yeah so so fast forward a couple of months then obviously that first morning in Brisbane I remember watching that obviously the 2002-2003 and you've you've gone for that diving stop uh, knee, yeah. knee stuck in the ground how yeah. how do you take something like that how disappointing is that first morning of an Ashes series yeah, look, it was it was horrendous. Uh, we'd we played in a game at the um, Allen Border Oval uh, previous to that, the last one up came against Queensland, and that that is a beautiful ground. It's not very big, but it's beautiful. And I, I slid for a couple of balls in the field, and it's one of those things. It was like a billiard table, and he kept on going. Yeah. Uh, so I assumed, being like 22, 23 years old, that every ground in Australia was the same. And being on to me in the side. Um, the gather is not like that because it's used for Aussie rules football as yeah. well. It'd be like training session a day before the test where we just took a couple of high catches to get used to the seats because they're all they're all different colours. They're like maroon and yellow yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. quite hard all up. So we do, that's all we did. But going into that game, I just thought, right, it's fine. Started off nicely, got Langer, uh, which was an amazing feeling because you know, he's, he's a proper player, that guy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just came in for lunch. Went out after and then, um, who was it? Ricky Ponting worked one off uh, Andy Caddick, threw it on, and I chased it down and slid. And, and that was 18 months of my career gone. It was um, it was, it was was tough because I worked so hard to get there. Um, and then to have it just snatched away like that is, yeah, it's, it's a tough goal to swallow. But as I was getting stretched off it, the, the nice touch was I think Jason Gillespie had had so many injuries in his career, he, he understood where I was. Yeah. And he came out to see if I was okay. And then Steve Harmson came out. Myself and Harmy, very good friends, but we were vying for the same place, which yeah. I thought was a really nice feeling for him to come out as well. And it stretched me off. Guy in the crowd, Aussie, I don't know when he beers he had, but he had a few. Um, <laughs> he decided to throw a can of beer at me. That's um, <laughs> my head. And called me a week, called me wherever. I won't say the, the language. Um, <laughs> I thought Harmy was going to drop me. Um, because he was so annoyed. Uh, and then obviously got stretched off. And I remember lying in the, on the, the physio bed in, in the changing rooms and they had a, like every test match, any sporting event, they've, they've got specialists there, haven't they? And yeah. surgeons, etc. And this guy kept on testing my knee. And I said, look, pal, you've, you've tested it once. You know what's happened. My ACL's gone. Not in there anymore. Um, can you just ease off? He said, oh, one more. I said, if you touch my knee again, I'm going to lump you. Just, just, just understand that. I said, just leave me alone. And everyone left the room because the Aussies, to be fair, all of them come in, Shane Warne, you know, all of them come in to see if I was okay. Yeah. And I just lay there. And do you know when you're in silence and you're trying to contemplate what's just gone on? Yeah. That was, that was difficult, yeah. And then I got shipped off to the hospital for a scan. And then the, obviously the news broke that yeah, my ACL was gone and I was, I was going on. How, how hard, obviously, you said there, at this point it wasn't a day, how hard are the next 18 months, mentally as well as physically? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I was very lucky that I went to see a surgeon up in Sheffield named Derek Bickerstaff, and um, he specialised in ACLs. Uh, he did a couple of tests to me, so he made me lie on my front and he brought my, my feet up and he twisted my legs. And my right knee went all the way around and my left knee didn't. And he said, well, you've done your post-lateral corner as well. Um, and unfortunately, they hadn't picked that up in the MRI in Australia because it's one of those things that maybe it didn't show up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I went to see this guy and he did that. I think it was a four-hour op. And then we have started more or less straight away. Uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. I was working hard. I, was, I didn't drink for that period. Yeah. Like, any swelling happened I wanted it to be because there was something wrong not because of yep. having a few beers and, uh, yeah it was tough six, six days a week probably five six hours a day yeah. um, and it was just just something I had in my head right I've got to get this done I, I've, I've just got to 
do everything to the nth degree just to make sure I get back on that park. And, and that's what I did. I worked with the Glamorgan physio, Urgent Mustafa. He's one of my best mates. Um, well, we were friends at the time, but then we became best mates because we spent so much time together. Yeah. Uh, and he got me through it. And yeah, it was it was an immense feeling to get back on the park because so many people had dealt with me. Yeah. Uh, they said my career was over, the press love, obviously, sensationalising and stuff. Um, and it was one of those things, I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn as the day is long. And I thought, you, you guys aren't going to get this right. And um, I'm just going to do everything I can to, to get back on that park. Brilliant. You said, you said, you said then how tough it was and how long it took. Um, yeah. Obviously, when you got back, you ended up in the Caribbean, didn't you? Watching Lara score 400. Do you think, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what, right? I did the England Academy with Rod Marsh. Now, that guy is an absolute hero. Um, and I remember him giving me the nod. He said, look, mate, you've been called up. Congrats. And I was thinking, wow. Um, so um, went out to meet the lads in, in the West Indies and played in the first half. And to get back on the park was immense. And to, to beat them as, as well and, and soundly as we did, what, 3-0, um, that, was, that was incredible. And Harmy, the, the, the series of his life, um, you know, and Butch, I remember Butch and Thorpe saying, this is so nice to see an English attack, on England attack, giving it, giving it back to them, because the West Indies has obviously dominated. The, the fast bowlers they've had in the past yeah. were unbelievable. And they bullied everyone. And he said, it's nice to see the shoe on the other foot. Um, but yeah, when Lara got 400, that was the longest two and a half days of my life. Um, <laughs> it was just like, you're waking up in the morning thinking, right, I've got to bowl to him again. And then you woke up the next day, you're still there. Um, and then on the third day, I thought, you're having a laugh, pal. Um, but do you know what? It was something to, to behold and respect immensely. The concentration it took him to do what he did yeah and he made it look so easy um yeah it's the first time as a quartet and obviously with Asher Giles added to that well sorry not Jilo because Gareth Batty played because Jilo had a, a problem with his he had an injury at the time yeah um as a quartet that's the first time I've ever seen us struggle and I mean like struggle yeah and yeah. he was yeah he was incredible yeah, pretty pretty good knock. Um, so let's let's move back to two thousand and five, if that's okay with you. Um, does it get boring to talk about now? I'm guessing you've you've answered these questions a million times. Uh, no, I have such such fond memories of that series, and I think as a, a squad of players, uh, the uh, the twelve that were there, just to to share the four years previous. And to sit down in a room on the on the first year we all got together and say that we wanted to be the best side in the world yeah. and then to achieve it. Um, yeah, that was that was different class because we'd worked so hard, we'd, we'd beaten everyone else. Um, those those lads were the only ones that you know. To be fair, I think in our minds, you know, we we looked at every side we played at and thought, right, we've got to beat these guys. But people would be lying if they said they weren't thinking about the Aussies. Yeah. Even two or three years previous, because that's those are the only guys we wanted to be. Yeah, they were the they were the scouts that we wanted. Uh, and lucky it was it was an immense series, wasn't it? And yeah. you know what I love, right? And I always say is when when people stop stop, stop talking about it, that's when you you not need to start worrying, but that's when you know you're getting on a bit. Um, <laughs> and. You know, everyone I speak to just still talks about it as the best series it's ever been. Uh, 100%. You know, it's a bold statement. It is a big statement, but uh, they're not wrong, in my opinion. No, 100%. And to be honest with you, mate, if you had have said it gets boring talking about it, we would have just ignored you anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> so just, just on that series, mate, Michael Clark, is that the best ball you bowled, you reckon? He's up there, yeah. Uh, two... For me, like Michael Clark, exceptional talent. Um, he was still quite young at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. What was I, 26? He'd have been 22, 23. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had the world at his feet and he, and, he, and he did for many, many years. Uh, and to set him up the way I did in, in, in the two O's before, I, I was bowling a reverse swing and, and set him up with just bowling 10, 11 balls of away swing. Just getting him leaving, and, and when you get to that level, you, you've got to try and outthink the batsman because they are that good that you can't just try and blast them out. Yeah. Uh, 
honestly bowling under my allowance swinging yorkers uh, so it was one of those things that you, you, I was always taught to sink in your feet as a bowler and the crowd had gone a little bit subdued and I was thinking right we've got to get going here so I give them a little G up and they reacted which was nice and then yeah. when I was running in you could hear them you know the noise building so I, I thought that someone like I've got to go in swing here and it came out perfectly it couldn't have come out any better and then I knew he, he started shoulder arms I thought I've got you um, and then it, obviously that noise um, and then to your clerk say oh and then he said something else um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was it was uh, it was yeah that was special um, to turn and look at the crowd that I just G'd up and I've seen that footage quite a few times it's always on social media and Twitter and stuff yeah it comes up a lot and the biggest thing for me is I look at look at the crowd behind when I'm celebrating and there's an old couple and they start hugging and <laughs> you know what it's like they've got that memory for the rest of their lives now yeah. they, were, they were part of the Ashes series do you know what I mean yeah that must be an um, amazing feeling that it is yeah uh, just to see the way people kind of were engrossed in it really I think on, a, on the last day of that game it turned away 20,000 people yeah um, and you know, we, it was the first time in my life I've warmed up at 9.15 or wherever it was to a packed house, full house. We yeah. all looked at each other thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> and, you know, Harmy was late. Um, well, he wasn't late. He, he just hit traffic because um, he, the, the, there was that many people come to the ground. I think he just drove on hard shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he had a little bit of a police escort into the ground. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was just like something I'd, I'd never ever, you know, experienced before. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, actually. Just, you said that, how, how disappointing was it to miss the last test, or was it disappointing to miss the last test? It was gutting. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if many people know, but um, Fletcher has obviously said, like, you've got to be fit for that last test. Yeah. You've got to be fit, so... I had a chat with Kirk Russell, who was the um, the physio, and he said, "Right, we're going to go and do some hyperbaric chamber work." So I was I was, I was staying at the uh, hotel uh, in Swiss Cottage, and I was going into the Wellington Hospital, I think it was, and they had a hyperbaric chamber um, where you go in for, and you just um, you locked in, it's like a submarine, yeah, uh, and you're there for six hours, and. I do three hours, come out, and then do another three hours. And do you know what? When reality hits you, uh, I was sat in there, and you have your gas mask on, and I was sat with people with cancer. I was sat with people with gangrene in their legs. And I was thinking to myself, I'm sat in here because I'm trying to get my um, my ankle right. And do you know what? You start thinking to yourself, wow. Yeah. Um, you feel not, not guilty, but you know to try and use this to get fit for a for a cricket game. Yeah. When there's people yeah. who are dealing with far more serious yeah of course. kind of stuff, yeah. I did it and it just didn't work out. I I went and and did some training and yeah the ankle was was done. I'd had three cortisones in it throughout yeah. the series, and it got to the point where the ankle had, had enough and that was that was that. Yeah. But to miss out was was devastating. Um, but Duncan Fletcher, another part of his, his thinking, uh, he got his thinking cap on. He didn't want me there on the first or the second day um, because he felt I'd be a distraction right. in the sense that um, the lads would feel, not feel sorry for me, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. Um, yeah. I went in on the third day when the game was in full swing and yeah. you know I just went in to sit and watch the lads and then obviously take part in the in the celebrations after. So, you know, Fletcher's was... I reckon one of the best coaches I ever worked with because of his tactical announcement and just the way his, his man management skills as well. At, at the time when he said I don't want you on the first day, I was a bit peeved. Yeah. I think, um, it, no, selfishly, I was thinking I'd every right to be in that dressing room. Yeah. But then I understood his his thoughts on why I shouldn't be there because it was such a big game. Um, you know, we were two one up. And if things had gone slightly wrong because lads were distracted, it was too all, and the series was, and the, the Ashes were retained by the Aussies. So, yeah. it, you know, when I when I thought about it, and I, I reflected, it was it was bang on. Yeah, brilliant. So just before we go into your team, mate, you just touched on it there. What were the celebrations like? 
Uh, that's possibly the drunkest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> Worse than debut. <laughs> Oh, uh, Davey was, that was just the starter, that was. Uh, it, look, it was one of those things, we worked so hard for the whole summer. We had the one-day series and then we had the test matches. And I think from start to finish, I lost like seven kilos. Wow, mate. Wow. Wasn't sleeping properly, wasn't eating. Um, it was just the whole uh, expectation and nerves, etc., of just being involved in such an immense series. And... Do you know when you feel as if a weight's lifted off your shoulder? You're waiting yeah. for, a, say, you're waiting for a decision on, on something, and then it happens and it goes your way. Then you just just that that kind of uh, issue is gone. And when uh, was it? Uh, Rudy Kirsten flicked the bales off. Yeah. The lads just obviously erupted to start with. But then we all sat down and I thought, wow, we've, we've achieved what we wanted to uh, four years ago. Uh, and then obviously the the beers came out and we. We all started tucking in. Uh, we did a lap of the ground, thanked all the fans and just soaked it in, really. Uh, then we got back to the dressing rooms and Phil Neal, who was an absolute legend of a manager, he was the team manager for years and years and years. He's just retired, hasn't he? I just saw that on Twitter. Yeah, what a, what a man that, that guy is. And tell you what, he's got the best tan I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I've, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and he came in, he said, right, lads, a uh, bit of news. Um, you've been invited on a bus tour tomorrow morning and wow. we're going to visit number 10. So yeah, we, all had, we all had a chuckle, you know. We're thinking, you're having a laugh, Phil. Um, we've had the longest four or five months of our lives and you're trying to get us up at eight o'clock in the morning. And he said, well, I'm serious. The, the Prime Minister will be expecting to see you. Um, I went to win in number one, so I have a site. We're leaving at quarter past nine. So I'd say 70% hadn't gone to bed. Um, we just partied and, and drunk and had a laugh and then obviously the morning came um, put your number ones on and then we went down to obviously go on this bus tour now the feeling was we were like who the hell is going to turn up to see us which is cricket do you know what I mean it felt a little bit too much yeah um, obviously Fred's, Fred's come out with a um and we just got on this bus and it started and then we just saw the crowds um now eight to ten deep on the on the pavements people hanging out of office block windows to to cheer us on yeah and it was it was just incredible um you know we, we met with ken livingston yeah. um it, a couple of lads made fun of what he was wearing um <laughs> One of the lads asked him where he'd come as because he had his custom uniform on. He had long socks, trousers, <laughs> hat with a feather sticking out the top. Um, he, he didn't look too bad. He didn't look best paid. Who asked that yeah. question? Um, uh, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we, we went on then to, to number 10. And one thing I always remember was obviously Tony Blair, who was Prime Minister. Yeah. And he thought, Massive, oh, this could be great PR, get the England team in. Um, oh, this would be awesome. And I've never seen someone's face change as much when we got off the bus. <laughs> he just saw the state of us. And um, obviously, to be fair, Michael Vaughan was, you know, pretty compassmentous because he was the captain and he had to obviously do interviews and stuff. The rest of us were, oh, geez, we were like rag, rag dolls. Um, and it was just one of those things he greeted us when we all went into the house. Um, and, yeah, it was just standing in his garden. Um, Harmy and Hoggy decided to go on the climbing frame and the kids' swings. Um, <laughs> apparently, I had a wee in the back garden. Uh, yeah, look, there's, there's those things. Apparently, Fred had gone into Tony Blair's office and gone on his phone and didn't speak to the world powers. <laughs> leaders um it was it was unbelievable um and then obviously tony oh tb as we called him um <laughs> had had enough and uh he told us to leave and then we had to go to the lords um for some more photo opportunities <laughs> yeah and we went out again that night so it was it was an amazing day um trafalgar square sorry i forgot about that that was different class yeah um to see i think there was like Forty odd thousand there. Um, I think we had a we um, we had a guy on stage. I think it might be Mark Nicholas, and then they had um, a guy who was an opera singer, 
and um, they were sitting in Jerusalem. Um, and he started walking along the lane, putting the mics next to people. And then I started singing, and he pulled it away. Something <laughs> 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 that bad. And then after that had finished, then um, Mark Nicholas went along and started chatting to us, asking about our experiences and stuff. And to be fair, I was that drunk, he asked me, and I said, all I could say was, we done them. And that was it. <laughs> I, just, I couldn't manage the sentence. Great insight. All I said was, we done them. And that was it. Great insight. Funnily enough, we actually, on the first series of this podcast, we had Michael Vaughan, and he said, somebody weed in the garden at number 10, so thanks for letting us know it was you, because we were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a case of just like, just playing the Welsh club. <laughs> a safe bet. Anyway, um, we're going to move on to your best 11, mate. You've gone with best 11 played with or against. And yeah. at the top, number one, we've got Marcus Cheskothic. Yeah. So unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Can't argue uh, with that. Just gravy that, bro. 40,000 career runs, 76 test matches. Obviously, he's move, moving into coaching now. Could you see that in him at yeah. the time? Um, I always thought he was going to stay in the game, yeah. Uh, look, he's done a lot of work with, on, on TV as well. Uh, I think he'd be a great pundit. Uh, but Trez is one of those guys, he wants to help others. He wants to help others improve their games. And him as a role with England would be special. Uh the way you know, the way the guy batted, um, he was yeah, he was just just unbelievable to watch. I, I remember I was his batting buddy because Fletch was massive on. Um, you've got to uh, eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I want you to get 40, 50 runs between you, right? Um, and that will obviously annoy one, annoy uh, the opposition. Two, it takes time out of the game to get those runs. Yeah, and three, it's another fifty run. Uh, bonus runs yeah. and so I've been put with Trez and I had to throw to him and he'd throw to me and just to watch the way he played was yeah special one and then when he's throwing to me he was telling me to do things I was like Trez I'm not you I'll ask you to bowl like I can no. um, and yeah he, he was just great to work with him because he brought my game on yeah. Um, and I, I ended up scoring some some good runs in that series, but yeah, he, he is he's, a, he's an absolute hero. And you know, if he hadn't finished when he did after what I think it was seventy or test, wasn't it? Yeah, seventy. Um, I think he'd have gone on so many more. Seventy six. Yeah. 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 So at the top, you got another left hander with him, Matthew Hayden. Yeah. Oh look, I, I could have gone with. Ashes side I played in, yeah. Um, yeah. but that would be boring. I, I'm just gonna <laughs> kind of I put an eleven together that I played against and with that I thought might be, you know, if you put this side together, what a side that would be. Yeah, and, and Hayden, yeah. Look, the way that guy imposes himself on the game, the the talent he has, one the, the runs he scored two, and the fact he's a big guy, he you know he, he's hard to bowl to, and he doesn't let people bowl to him. So I'm thinking him and Trez at the top. I think any bowling attack would be, yeah, that, that wouldn't be very much, uh, that wouldn't be fun at all, and the run rate would be up there as well. Funnily enough, I got written here, scary bloke to bowl at. A, because he is such a big fella who smashes it, and B, he once invited Ishan Sharma for a boxing match as he was bowling at him. Uh, would Did he? Yeah, caught it online, yeah. Would you fancy your chances there? Uh, well, I threw the ball in, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he came down a wicket and he squared up. And I'm slightly taller than him, um, but obviously not as big. And uh, he asked me why I did it. Uh, so I said, look, mate, I didn't mean it, blah, blah, blah. But I think the thing I got him was we used to ask him, like, how long it took him to pump his chest up in the morning. <laughs> um, that is the biggest chest I've ever seen. Um, but do you know what? Off the field, what a gent. Yeah. Um, we, we used to sit down and have a couple of beers and have a chat. And um, I remember him sitting down next to me to have a, have, a, have a beer. And I was thinking, I got Matty Hayden sat next to me. Yeah. And you know, what he achieved in the game is immense. And he had a little bit of fun as well. But when he was on the field, he was a, a serious customer. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and moving on, another Aussie at number three, serious customer on the field. We've got Ricky Ponting. Oh. <laughs> One of the toughest guys I've ever bowled to. Uh, yeah. Your margin for error as a fast bowler or any bowler is, is hardly anything. 
uh, he plays the short ball so well and you know he's, he's aggressive he, he comes at you he, he, he look to put you off your, your line etc and you know he had an immense amount of talent to go with it uh, his attitude was he was always up for a scrap uh, I remember seeing him pulling Fred off the front foot at Old Trafford for six and I thought wow this guy's yeah. special so um, and, and I, I'd also have him as my captain as well because right, yeah. I think he's got a great cricket brain apart from obviously deciding to, to bowl at Edgebaston um, <laughs> uh, that was the, the one blip that he had in his career but as a as a, a batsman and as a skipper I think he's he's up there yeah obviously their, their lineup was amazing when, when you had all like, your team meetings and stuff mate was it like was he the one wicket you needed to get was he the most important one being the captain and stuff we had, we had a plan for them all um don't ask me what they were, it was 15 years ago. But um, he was one of the guys that we tried to go full and straight out early on because he was a, an LBW candidate. Yeah. But the risk-reward was massive because he could just pump you down the ground. Um, so we, we, it was one of those things, we'd agreed to do it. So if he hit us down the ground for four off his legs, then so be it. Yeah. Um, but there was that opportunity, like I had him at um, Trent Bridge, LBW. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things we had to try to get him early because once he got in, he loved to score big runs and he liked to, you know, hunker down and, and, and score runs for his side as well. He, he was a he was a proper captain. Obviously, thirteen thousand test runs average over fifty. Um, obviously, difficult wicket to get. How funny was it when he got run out by Gary Pratt? You must have had a good laugh at that one. <laughs> yeah, that, well, I was in the, the hospital at the time, get my my ankle scanned, uh-huh. but um, I'd seen the footage after and. You could see he was livid because I think what the Aussies thought was we were taking liberties with the 12th man. Yeah. No, the rule was you could go off and change your shirt. And that's all we were doing. We were yeah. going off for two overs and coming back on. You're entitled to change your shirt after a spell because obviously you're, you're yeah. working hard, you're sweating, and you just want a fresh shirt. Um, so they, they, we weren't doing anything wrong. All right, we did it quite a few times. But the Aussies could have done it as well. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as if we were the only ones that could do it. But to see him walking off and looking up at Fletch and having a go, and Fletch, the first time in his life, smiled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looking at him. But the boys were saying he was shouting up the stairs at us um, because we had the, the, the change room upstairs and they had the one downstairs. And he was screaming up the stairs, having a go. Um, so I think that was one of the points in that series where we thought right we've got these boys they're a bit rattled yeah head gone yeah, yeah so you touched on before and number four you've got KP oh genius yeah. it's the only way I can describe that guy uh, you know alright throughout his career a little bit of an issue with left arm spinners but you look at what he did in the game um, yeah I've, I've never seen anyone like it he's the talent, most talented batsman I've ever seen yeah um, He's a big guy, he's 6'4", 6'5". Uh, long levers, hits the ball a long way, got every shot. Uh, and he, he, he just went out there. And I, what I don't like is when people say he's arrogant. He's not arrogant. He's, he's just got a huge amount of confidence in his own game. He knows yeah. how good he is. And I think that was misconstrued at times. I think people are harsh on him. Um, because I, he's one of my very good friends. And he's, he's got a heart of gold. It's just sometimes he maybe speaks before he thinks. Now, yeah. we've all been guilty of that at times. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he um, yeah, he, he had to be my number four. Did he, obviously, you know, he's like how confident he is and that stuff. Mate, but did he walk in like that early doors as well? He, when he first came into the side, you could tell he had a, um, a confidence about him. Yeah, of course you yeah. could. He's, he's, he'd been on the academy with me. That's how I got to really know him well. And he was the next boy to come in, uh, next lad to come in. And to be fair to him, he loves to learn. And you could see him listening and, and watching the senior lads, the way they went about their business, how they prepared. But he, he was just like a sponge. He wanted to try and, he was always trying to improve his game. And I think that's why he was so successful. He, but people might think that, you know, he was just exceptionally talented. No, he worked incredibly hard as well. Uh, and those are the things that people don't see. Um, and yeah, he was—he wasn't very outspoken at the time. He spoke when he needed to. To be fair to him, yeah. but obviously as his career progressed, he became one of the senior players, and and then he might have been a little bit more outspoken. 
Um, and you know, we've we've seen stuff in the press from his his, his kind of final days with England. And yeah. um, I feel for him in, in a sense because I, I just think he was a little bit misunderstood. Yeah, um, just on uh, on KP there. A little bit of a, a we've got a bit of an echo there. A little bit of a personal problem with, with KP that we were 16 yeah, yeah. during that 2005 Ashes, and I decided to go with that blonde mohawk as well. Um, <laughs> so, and there there is still photos of that. Is that my Uh, sorry, we had a little bit of interference there, but we we carry on with a, a man at number five who not many people would put at number five, but we've got Sachin Tendulkar. <laughs> look, I have to squeeze him in somewhere. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, look, I played against him on my on my debut, and the thing I couldn't get over was obviously he's, he's quite short in stature, but the size of the bat it looked <laughs> as if you couldn't get past it, and you know it, it was it was. Uh, uh, an honour to to obviously play against him. Um, he would have been my first Test wicket. Uh, Graham Thorpe dropped him at first slip. Oh. <laughs> I was absolutely devastated. So then my first ever Test wicket was AJ Ratra, and obviously no one. Else. <laughs> um, but oh look, what that guy achieved in the game is just incredible. And you know, for for a guy, he made it look so effortless. Yeah. Um, the way he went about his game and, and the biggest thing for me was he was an absolute gent as well yeah I was uh, going to ask that actually yeah yeah he played the game in the right way uh, and you know he, he, I don't think I've ever seen him angry uh, <laughs> you know, every player has been angry at some point him he was just so level headed so cool and a leader and, and yeah he was he was brilliant to watch yeah, obviously, 50,000 career runs, 100 international hundreds. Do you ever, maybe not so much, well, not just with Sachin, do you ever get to the end of your run-up and just think, what the what the hell should I do here? Look, it, it was one of those things, on my debut, there was, obviously, Tendulkar was there, say, Wag, Ganguly, Laxman, Dravid. You know, what a horrible line that is to bowl at. And... <laughs> You've just you, the one thing I tell any youngster who's going to go into a, a a side is do not try not to think about the opposition or who you bowl into. Yeah. Just think about the ball you're going to bowl. Yeah. And I think one of the lads come up and he said, "Right, just do what you do. Don't worry about who you bowl into." And that's the best bit of advice I had. Because um, if you start thinking about who you bowl into, you, you're done really. Because yeah. of what they've achieved in the game, uh, it's like when batsmen face bowlers. Try and watch the ball rather than who's bowled it. Uh, so that was the, the one way I, I try to deal with being in that scenario where you bowl into an absolute hero and a legend. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so once number six, the all rounders, you couldn't couldn't split BC. You got Flintoff and Callis, two geniuses. Oh, um, Freddie, the way he went about his game, uh, big man imposes himself on the opposition, bowls ninety plus, and whacks it. You got Callis who can bowl ninety mile an hour. His stats are just incredible, aren't they? Yeah, I've got, oh, got them in front here. 25,000 international runs, 577 wickets and 338 catches. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, right? You know, Freddie's had injuries and stuff. Uh, but Carlos's career is, is just second to none, really, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, for me, you know, Fred, what he did with England and that, he was up there. Uh, a great guy to be around as well. But I think if you had to pick between the two, I think you, people may possibly sway with, with Callis over Fred. Um, yeah. But for me, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't pick between the two. So they might have to have uh, a little flip of the coin to see who plays. little squad rotation system. Or you could just get Freddie on drinks. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think they'd be juice. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, they might be now. Yeah. yeah, they might be now, yeah. Okay, so at number seven, um, a man who, I'm going to ask you, kind of changed that role of the wicketkeeper batsman, and that's Adam Gilchrist. Yeah, Joe, in, in the past, they've always gone for a, a keeper who could bat a little bit. I think when the game progressed and became what it is now, they, they kind of go for a, a batsman who can keep. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at the, the England side, you know, they had the Bairstow, um, very good, very good cricketer. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you've got Butler now. 
So it was one of those things with Gil Chris. I found him, you know, he, he was hard to bowl to. He hit, he hit in unorthodox positions. Um, he had a great eye. He hit the ball a long way. And he could take the game away from you. So, so for me, you know, I, I'd gone through who I could pick. It was obviously Gerank played with me in the Ashes. Yeah. Then you had Foster and Reed, uh, who were brilliant in their, in, in their own way. Yeah. But for me, two... You need to score runs, I think, at times, and for me, Gilchrist would have done that. Yeah, definitely. Just obviously, his stats speak for themselves, but averaging 82 in Test match cricket. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not averaging, sorry, strike rate of 82 yeah. in Test match cricket. Uh, yeah. Not too bad. Read a little, little article on him, which he, he did a, an interview after he left, saying that he was always a walker when he battered, and yeah. he sometimes felt isolated in the Australia team. Because he was yeah. he was the only one. What about you? Walk or no walk? Um, oh, I walk. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. I yeah. If you uh, well, depends who's bowling. If someone's rapid bowling, then get out there quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's, I, I've always I was always brought up to walk. Um, you know, I've, I've bowled guys who haven't walked and. In county cricket and, and wherever, it never happens to me in Test cricket, really. Yeah. And there's nothing more infuriating than than someone who's it's not can't deem it as cheating, but for me, it's not in the spirit of the game. Yeah. Uh, Good answer. I just think it's yeah, you should be doing it. Yeah. So we are number eight. For me, the best bowler ever. Shame one. Yeah. Oh, what a bowler that bloke was. But you know, his bowling speaks for itself. His batting was so dangerous as well. Yeah. He scored some really important runs for Australia. And he was another uh, tough guy to bowl to. He um, he could, you know, he, he, he could whack it. And um, he had a good enough technique to hang around as well. Uh, you know, we, we looked at uh, Edgebaston with him and Brett Lee had that partnership, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So, to, for me, his, his bowling is just, that, that's a given. But his batting as well was, now for him to come at eight, yeah, the, the opposition will be thinking, oh, this is going to be hard work. Did he, um, he wasn't shy of a word or two. Did he ever give any stick? You know what? Everyone says, oh, what was the sledge and I like, doing that series? There, there wasn't really any because I think everyone was so focused on the job in hand and the expectation of the series and was was that big that there wasn't time for it. Um, the, you know, I, I know... Uh, Shane Warren would have a chat with the umpires they'd get in their heads um, I remember saying Billy Bowden Billy that's the worst decision I've ever seen because you haven't given it out blah 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 and I was sort of like the non-strikers and thinking wow if I'd done that I'd have a 50% fine yeah. um, but that's, that's the way he works and he was he was such a clever bowler but also he had a, he had a great cricket brain and, and that's what I loved about Warren so much was was the way he approached the game. He had fun. He played it within the right spirit of the game. But he was he was a complete genius as well. Yeah, incredible. What, 708 test match wickets. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just greedy, isn't it? Yeah, just give up. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead there, don't you? Give, give someone else a go. Um, and there were a few behind him who were pretty good as well. But obviously yeah. he didn't there. Uh, so, number nine, you've just mentioned him then. A man with the quickest ball of 100.4 miles an hour. Brett Lee? Uh, look, um, with the, the team I went for, I've got some serious bowlers in there, but I went with some serious pace as well. And for me, to bowl as fast as he did for the, the, the length he could in a, in a spell, yeah. but also to have the control as well, he was he was he was a quality quality operator. And another thing with with Brett, athletes could move brilliantly in the field, take great catches, great arm, but he could bat as well. Yeah. I remember seeing he, he pumped me into the stand at Trent Bridge but the one that blew my mind was when he put Harmy over the stand at Trent Bridge it was an enormous hit uh, and I'd not seen many people do that to Steve Armisen ever <laughs> not many um, so he you know him and Warren together um, they, they complement each other well when they, they were batting uh, and you know, for me those late order runs are, are really important yeah, just you said before. Obviously, when you're bowling, you've got to focus on your own, and for batsmen, focus on the ball, not who's bowling. There's yeah. got to be a time or two where you see someone like him at the end of the run-up and just think, "I don't, don't want to do this." <laughs> oh, I was, I was batting at Lords in the first test, and I went into bat with Kev, 
and Brett Lee was bowling. And I thought, oh, it doesn't look too bad. Um, Kev is playing this nicely. Uh, then Kev took a single off the fourth ball. And I faced him and I thought, oh my good God. <laughs> and it's, it's flown past me, right? And I was thinking, right, I don't want to die today. Um, <laughs> it kind of opened my eyes to how good Kev was. That he had that time to play summer ball in 90, 95 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, and, and manipulate around the field. And yeah, so that was one of the things I thought, wow. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you, when, you lack where you lack in batting capabilities. When you're facing someone as fast as that, your beans get going. It's an adrenaline rush. Yeah. And it's the hardest you'll ever watch the ball in your life. Um, the, the lucky thing with Brett was he had a, a beautiful action, so you can more or less see the ball all the way. Yeah. You had a fighting chance of getting something on the ball. <laughs> Whereas you had someone like Sean Tate, with oh. the action, seeing it very last moment. Um, which was even worse, and they bowled very similar pace. So, yeah, Brett to me was, yeah, he was brilliant. By getting something on the ball, do you mean the bat there, or? Well, anything, yeah, <laughs> just as long as it don't get out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're on to number 10, England's greatest bowler, Jimmy Anderson. Yeah, he's, um, oh, he, he had to be in there for me. Uh, you know, the, the, the longevity that he's, uh, he's played the game for, the way he's adapted his game, you know, he, he came in as a as a tear away ninety mile an hour bowler. He, he's, he's learned his trade over the years. He's developed, you know, exceptional skills with with the ball in hand. Um, you know, he swings it both ways comfortably with, and you know, he's got the measure of so many batsmen now. Yeah. Um, to play as as many tests as he had as a fast bowler is just incredible. Uh, and he's he's a great guy too. So to you know, Jimmy was always going to be in at number ten for me. Yeah. Did you did you see? Obviously, you played with him very early, didn't you, mate? Did you see it? Did you see how good he would be very early on? Or oh, look, he, he had massive potential when he came into the squad. It was it was a weird thing. Me and him were, were kind of going for the same spot, yeah. um, and we used to call each other the weather watchers because if it was cloudy and overcast, Jimmy might play. If it was dry, I'd play. And it was frustrating time because we both wanted to play. Obviously, we got on really well. But one of us was going to miss out. Yeah. And luckily, I got the nod more often than not. Um, but, you know, to see what, what he's achieved since then, um, to, to be, you know, the legend that he is. I think he's even had a street named after him now, hasn't he? And, um, <laughs> In Burnley, literally, yeah. When, when you sent he your, has, not he? Yeah, uh, when you sent your team over this afternoon, obviously, we do a bit of research and I just thought we'd see if there was anything new on Jimmy Anderson. And, and yeah, he's got a road in Burnley. He's got a road named after him. Um, <laughs> I bet he still gets a parking ticket, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jimmy was always going to be in there just because of one what he's achieved, and um, yeah, he's 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 done so so well. And last but not least in this team, <laughs> you got Glenn McGrath. He he had to be in there. Uh, big guy, six foot six, hit the length. Uh, he could hit ten pence on the head every ball. Uh, nasty. Nasty quick bowler. Bumper was three yards quicker than his normal ball. Just just a really clever, uh, clever bowler. Um, obviously not great with a bat in hand. <laughs> no. Um, he, I couldn't believe yeah. he bowling average. 21 in test match cricket. Oh, that sums him up, doesn't it? Uh, and... I don't know. How many wickets did he take? He, he's got something ridiculous, hasn't he? 563 at 21. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the thing for me as well with, with McGrath, he's done it all over the world, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he's, he's applied his game. And he's, he's, he just had the right attitude. He, he'd do anything for his side. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate um, that he, he fell over it. Edge Baston, that's a bit tongue-in-cheek. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, look, yeah. Just facing him was was hard work. Obviously, I didn't have a clue what he was going to do. Nick me <laughs> off for fun. Uh, great, great guy off the field, but serious competitor and an even better bowler. I was just just going to say that I got it written in front. Obviously, you talked brilliantly before about that self belief of that 05 team. Something yeah. like that, like McGrath standing on the ball before a game, does it give a mental boost? Oh yeah, I, I've never seen the batsman so happy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's just like one of those things you know he, he dominated us at Lords 
Uh, he, he bowled like God and then he got those gold boots on, didn't he? Because it was his 500th wicket, wherever it, yeah. all, wherever it was. Um, and, yeah, to, just to watch him work was, was brilliant. You, you learn every day, don't you? But, yeah, the batsmen, and well, all of us, really, were just so relieved that he wasn't in the, in, in, in the team, in the final playing 11, because, um, you know, he, he, he bullied us, really, at Lord's. Uh, he... he no, we, we did our job as a group of bowlers. We bowled them out cheaply. Um, and then he, he kind of taught us how to do it as well. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. Um, yeah, what a team that is. What a team. A pont, ponting yeah. captain there for you, like you said, mate, yeah? Ponting captain? Yeah, ponting captain, yeah. Or even maybe Warren will be in there. But um, Warren will be my vice captain, I reckon. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. So, um, just before we let you go, mate, I've got a few little sort of quick five questions just on the sort of 05 squad there. Yeah. Who was who was sort of the biggest joker in the change room? Uh, Matthew Hoggard or Andrew Fintoff. Um, Hoggy used to leave. He tried to call me, and I used to think to myself, nothing good can come of answering this phone. <laughs> and so I'd have an answerful message about two minutes long of him bleeding like a sheep, um, <laughs> and then he finish it off with knob head. Um, <laughs> I I'd be in net. Top of my mouth, waiting the ball, he'd come over and lick my face. Uh, <laughs> or or nibble, nibble on my ear. Uh, but the thing with Hoggy, he's, he's such a, he is an incredibly intelligent guy. Um, oh, geez, seriously, maths and, and physics and stuff, he, he's genius. Wow. And uh, he got bored very quickly. And when he got bored, he would just leave the room. Uh, he's either going to call for, for a wrestle or he's just, he's just going to annoy you or he might sit next to you and start making noises like the, like the telly he's like beep, boop, beep, boop, 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 beep. Um, so yeah Oggy for me was the biggest joker uh, and yeah he, he, he's one of my best mates we, you know, we try and spend as much time together as we can obviously not with lockdown but whenever we see each other it's like yeah Brilliant. Um, that Ashes series, the one individual moment that sticks out most for you? Uh, oh, look, I could talk about yeah. personal wins and that, but I think Rudy Kirsten tipping the bales off. Yeah, Steve, you uh, thought it'd be that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah and you, you look at the, the dark clouds behind, um, and you know everyone waiting to see what was going to go on. Uh, and then obviously when that moment happened we, it, it just erupted yeah obviously that, that Aussie side wasn't used to losing it was the worst loser in that team for them uh, I think all of them um, <laughs> it, <laughs> no uh, do you know what right I, I didn't feel sorry for them but I knew there's a huge expectation on them to, to win that series again yeah now Glenn McGrath came out and said it's going to be 5-0 after Lords uh, <laughs> the shock of their lives really as, as the series went on I, I didn't envy any of them but to be fair right from one, uh, 1 to 11 or 1 to 12 where it was they were all good guys off yeah. the field they really were and that's the thing I take from that series was we all mixed together yeah. after the game no one sat out no one was um, just being a, a, a unfriendly or anything like that we'd all have a beer after the game and have a chat and just just chew the, chew the fat, really. It was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So it should be. Yeah, totally, totally. But, but Ricky Ponting then, yeah. <laughs> Say it again. But, so it was Ricky Ponting then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was. <laughs> and, uh, and last question, mate. That, that Ashes series, who was your favourite wicket? Who was the one you really wanted to get? Uh, well, Michael Clark. I had him a few times during that series. Yeah. And yeah, to get that one at Old Trafford where he, he shouldered arms, that's the, that's the one that sticks with me the most. And I think it's the one I, I see most on, I get tweeted um, on Twitter. Yeah, it comes up a lot. I love it. The noise and, and, and whatnot. But I think, as I said to you earlier, seeing that old couple hugging in the crowd and the crowd erupting and yeah, that was that was the, the, the defining moment for me. It was it was the Mark Nicholas commentary as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that was very good. good. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing for me was Richie Benno um, going through the ball, uh, chatting about the way I'd done it and stuff. After uh, for me, the best commentator that's ever been. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. 
and for it, just to, to hear his words and the way he spoke about it and for him to say that's some piece of bowling I can tell you yeah um, that was yeah I was very proud of that brilliant mate that is that is everything from us that has been an incredible incredible chat for us incredible insight mate so we can't thank you enough for coming on with us no problem thank you for having me guys as I've said that before it's brilliant it's been good fun Thank you. And uh, yeah, check out our website, academynorth.co.uk, the social media at Academy North One. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify. And the new thing for this series, podcasts free to listen, but not free to produce. So if you do want to buy us a cup of coffee, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Academy North. Simon, we'll make sure your boss gets a listen of the first 10 minutes. Happy days. <laughs> and, uh, and just thanks again from us, mate. And thanks everyone for listening. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers, lads. Have a good night. You too, mate. Cheers. Bye.